this episode we're going to be covering the Babylon 5 Season 3 episodes, Interludes and Examinations. I adore this episode. This episode has a lot of stuff going on. It touches upon pretty much everyone's arc throughout this season. And uh, it's very emotional, very impactful, and just all around really, really good. Um, so let's touch upon the Franklin and Garibaldi stuff first. So Franklin's, uh, you know, addiction to uh, the stems is getting worse and worse and worse to the point that he is becoming uh, irrational and he is becoming um, just an absolute pain to work with. And he is doing the constant classic deflection, um, you know, of someone who is in need. I don't personally have an addiction, but I do have some mental issues. And I know that I was guilty of saying a lot of stuff Franklin said of just stay out of my way. You know, I can handle it myself kind of mentality. And that kind of stuff is hurtful. Hurtful to yourself, hurtful to everyone around you. And friends mean nothing but the goodest of intentions towards you. They want to help you. And the first step of admitting a problem you know, it's sort of accepting that there is a problem is to admit that the problem is within you and that you need to fix it. And Garibaldi forces Franklin's hand. And what I love about it is that Garibaldi actually wasn't going to go through with it. After all the shit he pulled to get the, 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 uh, the, the, the blood, the blood, uh, samples and to test it and see what his stim levels were at the test and see if he was addicted. Garibaldi couldn't pull the trigger. He realized, no, I can't do this to my friend. I can't ruin his career. I can't ruin our relationship with each other as friends. And I cannot ruin him professionally. I care so much about him, but I can't go behind his back like this. But his own nagging and insistence upon it forced Franklin's hand to do it himself. Thus making Franklin fully admit that he is addicted. And he talks about it in a very wonderful way of that this is, it all comes down to mathematics. You know, a certain percentage means you're not addicted. A certain percentage means you are addicted. It's funny how these things sneak up on you and you don't notice it. And um, it, it is incredibly, incredibly tragic to see him go down this path. But I do love at the very end of the episode when he's talking to Sheridan about resigning as chief medical officer that uh, he's having an identity crisis. He has become so absorbed in his job. He is the doctor. He is the chief medical officer of Babylon 5 and things are heating up on Babylon 5 as we'll touch upon in the Sheridan part of the plot. You know, things are getting intense out there and it's not getting better. It's getting bleaker and bleaker and bleaker. And we have seen multiple times of the kind of stress that Franklin has been put under. And we've seen multiple times since season one, the effects that uh, stress is put on medical professionals during wartime uh, and uh, their constant need to want to do good things and be better and, um, and help others. And he is now trying to figure out who he is. Besides him being a doctor, he can't describe himself. He looks at himself in the mirror and he has no idea who's staring back at him. It's incredibly depressing. 
And I like how Sheridan goes to do the standard, you know, pity of, I'm sorry for what's happening to you. I wish I could help. And Franklin cuts him off. He's not looking for pity. He has no need for pity. That is not what he needs right now. What he needs right now is the acknowledgement that he is going through something and that he can do better. He can be better, and he needs a support system. He does not need pity. I love that. Uh, once again, I have never personally gone through addiction. I do not have an addictive personality. I know people who have, but I have my own mental issues, and I have had these conversations with other people. And I know that was incredibly hard for everyone involved, including myself. And um, the best thing for me was to get help. And admitting that I needed help. Um, now, uh, let's talk about the Sheridan stuff. So, uh, the 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 thing about everything going on is that the war, the Cold War against the Shadows, is now hot. It went hot last episode, and it's been hot for ten days, as Ivanova says in her opening spiel. Um, and that basically everybody is scared. Um, that joining, basically, they're trying to get the League of Non-Aligned Worlds to join up and go against the Shadows. But the Shadows have manipulated the League of Non-Aligned Worlds to go in their own skirmishes, their own battles with each other to divide them, divide and conquer. That is the Shadow Mentality, and it's worth noting that the Shadow Mentality is constantly called in question, uh, and the only one who actually gets it right is Londo, but I'll get to that in a bit. Uh, and... Thus, uh, basically, as the game puts it, joining, joining a side uh, that is likely to lose, even if it is the right decision morally, uh, is a difficult choice. What do they have to gain from a loss? Where they can join with the wrong side morally, but they get a win and they ensure that they're not going to be conquered or, or destroyed or killed. It ensures survival. And at that point, fight or flight kicks in, and most people are going to choose flight, you know, to survive, survivor mentality. So Sharon has to prove, without a shadow of a doubt, <laughs> hilarious pun there, of the fact that his side, the Army of Light, can come together, can prove themselves worthy to fight the shadows. And that is where the entire... Kosh conversation, and now the uh, you know Kosh conversation comes in, and that Kosh conversation is powerful. Uh, I just love it how the entire situation is Sheridan calling the Vorlons, and in particular Kosh, out on his complacency, and going, "You lord over us and tell you you are you, that you are superior, that we should listen to you, that we should obey you, that we should be nothing but your servants." But what have you done to prove that we should be your servants? You've done nothing. People die. Whole worlds are dying. And what do you do? You sit on your fat asses and don't do anything. And that's exactly what Sheridan is doing. He's calling the Vorlons out on their stupid obedience at no matter what mentality and their complacency. He's giving them the kick in the ass they need. 
Uh, and that's why I love so much is that no matter how much Kosh attempts to uh, use his Vorlon superiority, quote-unquote, to intimidate Sheridan, he intimidates him with his tele telekinetic and telepathic powers, he intimidates him by lording over him, uh, in, in calling him, you know, names, and sort of lording the mystery of the Vorlons and exactly who and what they are over him, their superiority, their blatant belief that they are better than everyone else. And Sheridan's response is, up yours. You know, that is exactly what had to happen. You know, uh, a, a, scared, a scared and caged animal who is locked into a corner and has nothing left, they will stop obeying and start fighting back. And that's exactly what Sheridan does to Kosh. Put your money where your mouth is. Um, but nothing is without a price. Um, and that is where the ending of this episode comes in, in the fact that Kosh is now dead. Now, I pose a question. If it was anybody but Kosh, would the Vorlons have attacked? Would Sheridan's attempt to kick them out of their complacency had worked? Would it have uh, had any effect at all if it wasn't Kosh? We see multiple times that Kosh is willing to take steps that other Vorlons are not, and not to spoil things, but we will get a taste of other Vorlons later on in this series, uh, and we will understand their mentality is even worse than we actually think it is. Um, so, uh, I will get into some spoiler territory later to talk about the meaning of, of the, uh, if you go to Zahadum, you will die, um, but I just want to point out that nothing comes without a price. That is part of Londo's story as well. Uh, nothing is without a price, and we all have that cross to bear. And no matter who or what you are, you have to be willing to accept the prices of your and consequences of your own actions. Uh, and I love that Kosh appears to Sheridan as his dad, because it's perfect symbolism. Um, the Vorlons see themselves as the shepherds of the younger races, superior in all ways, their parents. And in appearing as his dad, and we know how much Sheridan's dad means to him, we see that Kosh believes that he is the parent, but he also believes that he is the kind parent, the good parent, showing that he is different than other Vorlons. As I talked about, if this was any other Vorlon, would... They have come out of their complacency, come out of their shells, or encounter suit, if you will, uh, and actually attack the shadows. Would this agreement have been broken? Would, would this have happened at all if it wasn't Kosh? And of course, Kosh pays the price. Kosh dies. And it's a powerful moment when Kosh dies because we see that Morden has on multiple occasions come to the station and never attacked Kosh. There was that one scene where they confront each other. Going back in season one, signs of importance. Oh, leave this station now. That kind of scene. But we never see exactly what happened. We hear about it, but we don't really know because we're left in the dark, much like our characters are. Now we get to see what happens. And we see that now the shadows cannot tolerate Kosh's presence and they have to take him out. They were more than willing to let him continue on his way, as long as he did not break his complacency and actually fight back. 
implying that the shadows and the forelawns are just more players on a larger scale of chess. They're playing chess with each other, and they have an agreement to fight each other, yes, but not directly. Uh, and there's more of that as we get later in the season. It's a really sad time to see Kosh die. Sure, he was not an incredibly well-developed character, because the entire point of the character was that he was a mystery. That the Vorlons build this era of mystery around themselves. But we know how significant he was to other characters, and what he has done has been significant. And his inherent Vorlonness, his inherent mystery about him, made him an interesting character, even if he didn't get a whole lot of development, because the point of him was to be a mystery. So you mourn his death, even though he isn't like the most rounded character with a large personality. Um, which shows the strength of JMS's writing style, I think, is that he's able to make you care about this character that's been around way since the TV pilot movie, if you think about it. But how much development of Kosh have we actually gotten? Not a whole lot. The littles, here and there. Uh, but he, he's, he was always intended to be an insight into the Vorlon society, and as a result, he's a mystery, because the Vorlons are a mystery, and they must remain so. Now let's get into the incredibly sad, sad, sad part of this episode, the Londo bit. So, everybody in the station is doom and gloom at this point. You know, shit's going down, the war between shadows is, you know, getting hot, uh, Franklin's dealing with his addiction, but Londo's happy. The one woman he truly loved is back, Adira Taidui all the way back from season one in the episode Born to the Purple, is coming back to the station to visit him. The ex-slave that he freed, that he truly cared about and loved, and who truly loved him back. And now, she is taken away from him. She is killed by poison, no less. And I love how it's very subtle that all the pieces are there, for us to interpret her deaths in different ways. I don't believe this is a spoiler because um, it's pretty blatant to me, having seen this multiple times, but also just from the clues given to us, Morden is the one who killed Adira. We see Morden talking to the, the smuggler to get the poison and paying him and, and, and sort of finding out information about Adira anyway uh, during the entire um, Veer conversation. So it's really, really given to us that he is the one that killed Adira, that he's the one that poisoned her, but there's enough sort of, there's enough evidence for us to draw that conclusion, but not enough for Londo to draw that conclusion. Uh, Londo draws the conclusion that it was Lord Rifa. Second of all, it is not explicitly told to us. All those scenes with him paying the, the smuggler, getting the poison, finding out about Adira, all that jazz is done without a single bit of dialogue. Meaning that it is up to us to interpret the actions of the characters if he was the one that killed her. So it's just this nice sort of dichotomy where we know more than Londo does, and we see him make all the wrong choices as a result of his inherent inability to see the clues, but it also makes it far more tragic as a result. Brilliant stuff. 
And Londo's fall from happiness is just heartbreaking to unfold. This is the one time he has been happy. The one time he's perhaps going to get everything he wants and it's all taken away from him. He's been making steps to improve, be better, and do good things. And it just keeps, you know, getting worse. And he's fallen to the ground and they just keep on kicking. You know, things are not getting better for him. Things are only getting worse. And things can only get worse for him. And, um, you know, I mentioned that the entire uh, sort of shadow mentality is called into question in this episode. And I love how Londo's the only one that gets it right. That, that Londo in immediately sees the shadows for what they are. Agents of chaos, uh, toys to play with um, while they do what they want. Uh, and he talks about how they can't do anything to him that has not already been done. Of course, he is flat wrong, but Londo thinks he's lost everything. He's lost perspective. He's lost, you know, any kind of friendship, any kind of good reputation he could have gotten. His, his life, what he wanted back in season one, he's gotten. But now that he has it, he realizes the bitter taste of getting exactly what you want. And now he wishes he hadn't got that. And so, this is his reward. More pain, more death, more suffering. And his speech about not caring about anyone, and willingness to join back with Mr. Morden and his associates, the Shadows, just to get revenge, just out of pure personal spite and anger, it's heartbreaking. Uh, and it is... It is incredibly sad to watch his slow downfall. That's what I love about this episode, is that we are seeing everybody at their lowest point. You know, Franklin's at his lowest point with his addiction, and it's only going to get worse for him. Londo's in his lowest point in his life. He's starting to get better, and then it goes worse. And it's only going to get worse. Sheridan and his war and his army of light, you know, are at the lowest point. They hardly have any allies. So he, when push comes to shove, he he tries to ignite a fire that will help other people, and it only backfires and gets someone he cares about killed. We are catching up on everybody's arc and realizing things are bad, but they can only get worse from here. You know, this isn't, we are not, ha you know, we're not leading to a happy, fun time. Things are going to get worse, and they will only continue to get worse. Um, and I think I will go ahead and move on to spoilers real quick before calling it a day. Um, so, Kosh tells uh, Sheridan that, uh, as we heard before, if you go to Zaha Doom, you will die. And Sheridan says, I've heard this before from you, you know, if, if you if you want to, uh, you know, back out when push comes to shove, then that that's the price I must bear. And Kosh replies, you do not understand, but you will. And this implies that Kosh had plans to keep Sheridan from either going to Zahadum or dying on Zahadum. But because Sheridan willingly kicked the Vorlons out of their complacency, in particular, he kicked Kosh out of his complacency. Kosh is plan Kosh's plan to keep Sheridan alive is no longer going to be in place because Kosh knows he's going to die from this. Kosh willingly throws his life away because he knows that it's the right thing to do. 
And yeah, he cheats a little by putting part of himself within Sheridan, part of his essence within Sheridan, which allows Sheridan to partially remain alive and thus be revived by Lorian for the next 20 years. But it's worth noting, and I'll talk about this more when we get into Season 4 and the quote-unquote, you know, death and resurrection uh, rebirth of Sheridan, that it is not cheap resurrection like you see in a lot of fiction. It is resurrection with a purpose, and the fact that it has a limited number. He will only have 20 years to live, and that's it's finite. It's not permanent resurrection. You know, as Lorian says, he can only breathe life on the fire that is already there. He cannot, you know, reignite it entirely. So, uh, that, the point of this is to say that he is going to die. And because... Kosh is no longer going to be around to ensure his safety, and the Vorlons, even though they've gotten the kick in the complacency, are not going to learn the right lessons from Kosh's sacrifice, and thus let Sheridan die like the plaything that he is. They are playing chess on a galactic scale with the shadows. So I just like how the consequences theme and the, the understanding that everything comes with a price in this episode. Um will carry on and it's just a nice little tidbit uh that you can see in future seasons i just really enjoy that um and plus it adds extra weight and depth to that scene it's already a very powerful scene incredibly well acted but it just adds to the 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 sentiment that sheridan is saying you know you have to be willing to put your, your money where your mouth is both he and kosh have to accept that and they know that Anyway, I will see you next time for the two-parter War Without End, which I'll be covering in one episode. Till then, see ya. Bye. <laughs>